Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, whose love endures forever, whose gift of grace covers us, whose death on the cross was for us, and whose resurrection assures us of life in his presence. Christ is risen. It's still the Easter season, so we can still do that. And we could do it any time, actually, but the Easter season is the time when we focus on that, that Christ is risen indeed, and that that resurrection changes everything, right? Today's Mother's Day, and we are all children of someone. As a family, we gathered for dinner last night, and we're not always all five, especially around a table, but last night we were, and so um, we were blessing the food, and Max prayed, and he said, Lord, we thank you for mothers, because if it weren't for mothers, none of us would be here, which is true, right? Talk about the more you know. (laughs) That's your biology lesson, in case that was unfamiliar. We are all children, and today as we look at 1 John 5, we recognize this, we are God's children. We have been born of God. This is what 1 John 5 starts with in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes has been born of God. John chapter 1, same John in his gospel, in chapter 1 at verse 12, said this, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this whole idea that we are God's children permeates what John writes, and also other places in Scripture. Paul writes about being adopted in Romans chapter 8. Romans 11 says we are grafted into the vine in the first part of John 15, which is our gospel reading. It was in, in that chapter today. talks about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. So we're connected to God in this relationship we have with him, where he is father to us and we are his children. We are adopted, brought into this relationship with God through faith. And through faith, we have overcome the world. John goes on to write in this 1 John chapter 5 reading, verses 4 and 5, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that has overcome the world, or who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we believe Jesus, the Son of God, the risen and reigning Savior of the universe. We believe that, and through that faith, we have overcome the world. Maybe we don't feel like overcomers. Not often. Because the world keeps coming at us, right? The world keeps bringing to us disappointment, discouragement, frustration, suffering, temptation. 
Yeah, we believe that we're in the world, but not of the world. But while we're in the world, a promise of Jesus is absolutely true, and we see it in our lives. Jesus said, I think this is John 15, oh, sorry, 16, in this world, you will have trouble, tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we still suffer, we still are burdened, we're still frustrated, we still are surrounded, right, by the brokenness and the sinfulness and the burdens that we have in this life. But Jesus says this, take heart, I have overcome the world, and through faith in Jesus, we have overcome the world. That doesn't mean that the world doesn't affect us anymore. It means we have more to look forward to. It means there's more to come. It means that by this same faith that saves us, we're covered in God's grace and in His mercy. And the world, though it will affect us, doesn't overcome us. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. We're His children, and God is our Father. God's our Father. And that means that He loves us. Like a father does his children. With a fatherly love, with a divine and perfect love, with a grace-filled love that lasts. It also means he teaches us. Parents teach children. Moms take on a lot of that. Because kids don't know much. I almost said anything, but didn't want to go quite that far. Right? What do kids learn only everything, right? Kids have to learn how to talk, how to walk, how to feed themselves, how to tie their shoes, how to get dressed, how to get up, how to go to bed, all the things that you do. You learn, you know? There was a famous book written, I don't know, 20-some years ago, I think, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. A lot of really important stuff you learned before kindergarten, hopefully. (laughs) And you learned it likely from your mom or your dad. So God gives us instruction. He teaches us through his word, and he teaches us in his word about his commandments. So fill in the blank. Rules are meant to be followed. Exactly. How many said broken? Yeah, that's where we go, right? That's the cliche. It was kind of a trick question. I set you up for that. We think rules are meant to be broken because we want to break the rules. But rules are meant to be followed, actually. Rules are there to help us. They're for our protection, actually. Good examples. Seatbelt law, right? What's it there for? To protect you, right? It's important. Put your seatbelt on. And it's the law. There's others. Well, for the last, I don't know, 14 months now, it feels like, maybe, yeah, roughly, we've had some rules and restrictions and things we shouldn't do and things we couldn't do and things we were supposed to wear, right? Did it all make sense? 
the first time you heard it, this, you know, probably not, right? Places you don't go, businesses that had to close, all the things that are, have been done over the last 14 months as the people who were making those decisions were doing the best they could, right? And that was for our protection. Was it inconvenient? Yes. Was it sometimes annoying? Of course. But it was there to flatten the curve, to help us all avoid this illness, and hopefully to overcome it soon. Soon. So rules are for our protection, and even rules we learn as children. Things not to touch, like the hot stove or the electrical outlet. Things not to do. Things to avoid, etc. For our protection, they're also for our good. Like a curfew. When I was a kid, I had a curfew. When I was a teenager, I had to be in at a certain time. Even when I could drive, there was a time I was supposed to be home. Was I always home at my curfew? No. No, I was not. Did I get in trouble? Yes, I did. <laughs> those rules are for our good. And, you know, it's one of those things like, did you think when you were young? Gina and Drew, you don't have to answer this now because your mom is right there. And your dad is here. Like, did you think your parents didn't know what they were doing? Right. The more you know... <laughs> you learn along the way that your parents weren't quite as off base as maybe you thought. They had your good in mind. They had your protection in mind. And so even things that were frustrating or annoying were actually for your good or your protection so that you could learn things, so that you could be a good citizen, so you could be a good person, so you could learn how to do the stuff you need to do to have a household to raise your own kids one day. It's important. Rules guide our lives, too. Things like traffic laws, but other things, too. Our kids brought home a new card game, new to us anyway, called Dutch Blitz. This just happened, I don't know, a week or two weeks ago. And so they start playing it, and I'm watching them, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. And they're throwing cards in the middle of the table, and somebody slaps the table and says something, and I'm like... So my question was, what are the rules, Right? What are the rules? How does this work? Knowing the rules is a great way to learn how a game is played. Knowing the rules is a great way to know how life works, right? We know the rules through God's commandments, through God's commands as he teaches us and we obey as his children. Children, obey your parents. It's important. <laughs> Even when you don't like the rules. It was probably when I was a teenager. I have a younger sister, and I think it was when she was a young child that my parents had blue T-shirts with white letters. And I remember they said, because I, you know, I'm the mom, that's why. That was all it said. I'm the mom, that's why. I'm the dad, that's why. I think my dad had that one too. But I think I remember seeing my moms more often. I'm the mom, that's why. And even when she wasn't wearing the shirt, every now and then we would hear those words. 
Sometimes we want to ask why. Sometimes moms, parents want kids to do what they're told and not ask why. And we as God's children should obey, right? We strive to, but sometimes we also rebel. We rebel against God like children disobey their parents at some point. Sometimes it happens because we don't understand the rules. Sometimes it happens because maybe we don't agree with them. I have great kids, but they're not perfect. (laughs) Sorry for that fact. (laughs) And as God's children, we're not perfect either. Sometimes we rebel against our God and we disobey his commands. But God gives us his mercy and grace and restores us by his love. He calls us to obey his commandments. He teaches us through them. And he gives us his love even when we fail. Even when we turn away. Even when we disobey. God still loves us. So all the commandments in the Bible, all the instructions there, and John 15, Jesus saying, this is my commandment, and you, know, you are my friends. You do what I, you follow my commandments, you're my friends. And it sounds conditional when we first read it. You are my friends if you do what I tell you. That's not how it works, though, really, right? I'm not saying that Jesus is not telling the truth. Right? But what I'm saying is it's not a conditional statement. Jesus is saying, if, not saying, if you do what I tell you, then you're my friends. God never says, if you do what I command you, then I will love you. God loves us and gives us his grace even though we don't follow him. Even though we're not perfect, he gave his perfect son because of that. And he gives us his love and his mercy and his grace that overflows that overwhelms and allows us to live in it. We live in love. We can live in love because we love God. We love God in response to his love for us. John wrote that too. I think it's 1 John 3. We love because he loved us. We love God, and that love for God motivates us to obey. Verse 3 here from 1 John chapter 5 said this, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Where it said love for God there, that's a little bit clunky in English. (laughs) This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. When we hear love of God, it sounds like God's love for us. But I think it's explaining verse 2 that talked about how we love God. And it's then saying this is how, this is our love for God. Would I think be a translation that would make more sense to us. This is our love for God that we keep his commandments. And the Spirit helps us with this desire to obey. Our love for God motivates us to follow. Our love for God gives us this desire to do what he tells us to do. To live life according to his plans for us. And this verse says God's commandments are not burdensome. 
Yesterday I was walking one of our dogs, and as I was thinking about commands and obedience, as I'm walking, it was Copper last night, he's wearing a harness, and that harness goes around his kind of shoulders and across his back and under his chest to give me, you know, a solid connection to him. We used to just put the leash on the collar, and then our dogs figured out how to, like, turn around and lean over and do something, you know, the collar just slips right off over the head, and they're free to go. Like, that does not work. So we've got the harness on, and it clips in the front of his chest, and we're walking along, and the leash is just relaxed. It's just slack. And as long as he walks next to me and goes the direction that I'm going, it's easy. There's no conflict. There's no problem. There's no pain in my hand or shoulder. <laughs> it's when he wants to go a different direction that, that the problems start. Right? Like if we reach a corner and we're going to cross the street, I want him to wait so that we can look for cars. And then I say cross. That's the command. And if he hears it, recognizes it, obeys it, we cross the street, and it's easy. That's the non-burdensome way that the commands of God work for us. When we hear and recognize and obey, we can walk with God in a way that's relaxed and not burdensome. When we live in this grace of God, we can walk according to His commandments in a way that's not burdensome, that's not frustrating, that doesn't feel like, oh, God's stealing our joy and our fun. That's not it. We're being obedient because of our love for God. We're doing what He wants because we have received His grace and His love. God's commands are this, love Him and love others. And the Ten Commandments, you can boil them down into those two, right? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's the simple instructions that God gives us. So we love one another. The end of verse 1 and into verse 2 says this, Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. We love one another. The end of our gospel reading, love one another. Verse 2 goes on to say this, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. By loving the children of God, we're obeying God's command. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says. Knowing these things, knowing this grace, knowing our relationship with God, knowing all that we know about Him, let's live in that knowledge. It's the more you know. Amen.